Welcome back to another Daily Walk. Well, today we want to talk a little bit about what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit. So, I read through this book from John MacArthur. It's a little booklet. He uh, has these on his ministry site, and this one's 11 massive pages. And it was a really nice book because this is a big question. What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? We talk about the Holy Spirit. We hear about it. We sing about it. Um, not always biblically. I hate that song. You go to church, you get the praise and worship band up, you know, get up there doing their, uh, you know, seven verses 11 times and whatever else. That one song, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. And then come upon us. Guys, the Holy Spirit is God, like the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One of the immutable principles of God is he is omnipresent. There is no need to ask him to show up, and there is no need to say, hey, you're welcome here. Please come into us. Um, he's here. Now, he may not be in you if you're not a Christian. If you are not a Christian, you, you need to take those steps. You need to admit that you are a sinner and, and know that Jesus Christ was perfectly God and perfectly man came down on earth, died on the cross for our sins. When we are saved, when we believe that, we respond to that gospel, we repent and we turn our lives, transform our lives back toward Christ. That is the, the sign, the feeling, the, the, um, the transformation is because the Holy Spirit, God himself, enters us. But there's no need to be singing, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. He's here, whether he's welcome or not. Now, many times, sinners might want to sing, Holy Spirit, please get out of here. But um, that's not likely to happen either. But this book was very fascinating because this is a good question. What does this mean? This is one of the principles that he had in my favorite book of his, Found God's Will. And uh, one of his principles is be spirit-filled. And what does this mean? Well, the best description that he has in here is likened kind of to fear. Now, if you are out and you're in a place, maybe you're alone like I am. I'm a fairly fearless person. But, you know, if, uh, if I'm walking over here and uh, I happen to look, glance this way and for some reason there's some grizzly bear cubs, and I glance this way and the mother's right over here and I'm right in between them, uh, there's a little bit of fear that needs to show up. If it doesn't show up, you are actually probably insane. Okay, but when you have fear, think of just something that causes fear. Maybe you're terrified of the dark or, or um, you hear noises outside your house and you're alone and things like that. When you have these types of fear, the feeling that goes inside of all of your body, the adrenaline, the fight or flight response kicks off. All these hormonal changes, they all come in and you're like, and it's, it hits every fiber of your body. That is the best description he has of being filled. It's not that we are an empty cup and, uh, okay, I'm half full of the Spirit now. No, it's, it's something that comes in, permeates, and becomes you. But what is this? Well, obviously, it's not fear. We have a spirit of power, um, not of fear and timidity. And um, in this, what MacArthur goes into is he, he really describes what this is in the context of fear looking at uh, looking at it. So the command is to be filled, and he writes here on page 2, Ephesians 5.18 contains the imperative from the Apostle Paul, be filled with the Spirit. 
This concise, straightforward injunction is loaded with significance for if you are a believer. However, the significance is often misunderstood, misapplied, or missed altogether. So many Christians are unclear about what the verse does not mean. Once you discard the incorrect meanings, you can then focus on what Paul is really saying. Now he talks about the wrong equations. Uh, first, it's not commanding empty Christians to acquire something. Okay, stop singing that song, Holy Spirit, come upon me. He's there. Or you're not saved. If he's not, if you're not saved and he's not there, singing isn't going to make him come. Repenting is. So make sure you're doing that. So as each of us possesses the entire Holy Spirit from the time we repent and believe, you are not flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, though, the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. That is Romans 8, verses 9 and 10. Now, the second thing he says that this is not is that Paul's phrase is not equating fullness of the Spirit with baptism with the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit baptism is not an extra experience you need to seek. It is not something you have for the moment you are, um, it is something, excuse me, you have for the moment you are saved. The baptism is a theological reality, an act by which Jesus Christ, through the agency of the Spirit, places you in the body of Christ. Now, as I read that, I have this recollection back. I was a fairly young believer, but somewhat sound, and I'm down at a donut shop in Altoona. It was like a Saturday or something, and that's what I used to do, just get out of town for a little bit, take some Christian books, write in some journals and things like that. And that's really the, the thing that I was doing. And then what happened is I'm at this donut shop and there's a bunch of old ladies. They come in and, and um, you know, they start talking to me and, you know, are you a Christian? All this kind of stuff. Yeah, whatever. And they're like, well, have you been, have you been baptized by the Holy Spirit? And like, well, if, you know, I'm a young enough Christian. I don't know about Pentecostalism or charismatic theologies or, or things like that. And so I'm like, well, I was baptized, you know, in this lake over here. Oh, well, that's not enough. Come to our church. You'll get baptized by the Holy Spirit and by fire, you know. And so I'm not, I'm not like, oh, okay. I'm a very discerning guy. Um, and, but at the same time, I'm like, hey, I'll go check out a church. Why not? You know, so I go over and drive over. And this church was in Phillipsburg um, out here. And so I go on over there and it was a very charismatic. They got the tambourines going, wow, and all this. And, and uh, the, the message was actually very, very, very good. But at the end of it, you know, the theological problem comes in when the pastor wants to he just says, anybody who wants a prophecy from God, come on down. And then he's going to and then translate it for him. Well, inside of that is multiple issues. Um, a, <laughs> prophets are not for the coming down to the aisle and taking. B, if you're going to be speaking in tongues, you're not the one interpreting it. Okay, these are all things very clearly out in scripture. Um, C, I'm not convinced that there is an angelic language anyway. Um, uh, this... Speaking in tongues appears to be a reversal of what happened in the Tower of Babel. We'll leave that one there. You can hate write hateful comments down there in the, in the bottom. But that's not what we're looking for. Is we're not looking for this extra spirit baptism. That's not something that we need to do. Now, he goes on to say the right equation, the understanding of the Greek. And um, in this one, the Greek to be filled means something quite different. The literal translation is be being kept filled. What, did you fail grammar? Of course, be being kept filled. Come on. 
That's like our new slogan for the cult, right? Be being kept filled, be being kept filled. Um, no, you don't want to do that. But what the point is, is to keep oneself constantly filled. That is the principle because this is the one thing that is critically missing in our society. It is the process of sanctification. It is the actions that cause us to become spirit filled. In other words, being spirit filled is the actual constant practice of discipleship. It is the constant practice of getting in your scriptures, the constant practice of praying, the constant practice of thinking on these these good things. Like in Philippians, whatever is pure, whatever is good, whatever is of, of, of godly, I, I don't know the quote verse off the top of my head, uh, whatever is of good repute, Set your mind on these things. Don't set your mind on the things of flesh, but set your mind on things of above. Then he kind of spends the rest of the time talking about uh, the various elements of this. And uh, then he gets into some practical consequences of being filled by the Spirit. Have we dealt with the meaning of the divine command to be filled with the Spirit? How can you really know if you're walking in step with the Spirit and realizing His fullness? The Apostle answers that question with three clear evidences for judging the Holy Spirit's full operation in your life. The, the Apostle Paul follows up his inspired command that we are filled with the Spirit by testing to what will be evident in your life if you genuinely obey the exhortation. In other words, if you have a Spirit-filled life, um, this is from Ephesians 5, 19 through 21. Speaking to no one on, um, excuse me, I got to start that again. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your hearts to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and to be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Okay, so, and then he spends the rest of the book kind of breaking down what does it mean for singing, what does it mean for giving thanks to the Lord. Um, obviously, we're not singing the song about Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. It's a theologically horrible song. Um, he talks about submitting to one another, and, um, you know, the submitting to one another point is is another issue that we in American Christianity, we, we like to be more individualistic. We like to, um, you know, take our van in the middle of absolutely nowhere and uh, not see people for the day, you know. Um, but what it means is that we're going to confess our sins to one another. Uh, James chapter 5, you know, confess your sins to one another, pray for one another that you may be healed. I think it's 513. I could be wrong. It's in James 5. Go find it. Um and, um, you know, obviously we confess our sins to God. He is faithful, just to forgive us our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness, 1 John 1, 9. Um, but sometimes we need to take this an extra step and confess our sins to one another as well, that we may heal one another, we may, um, uh, you know, pray for one another, that we may heal, and, and things like this. So these are these elements that it means to be spirit-filled, literally means to be walking a life in such a way that you look like you're actually a Christian, that is really what the important point is. So that will go ahead and leave this one here. Thank you for watching, everybody. I hope that you enjoy your daily walk in our Lord. Thank you for tuning in. Our Walk in Christ podcast is a listener-supported presentation. For more information about how you can help, check out ourwalkinchrist.com forward slash support or our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Tom M. That's T-O-M-M. Digital and paperback books are available on several online bookstores or at our website. Once again, the website is ourwalkinchrist.com.